This is Ali from Scots We Hey. And before we get into the latest podcast properly, I just wanted to give a brief explanation about what you're about to hear. Because before we get into the full podcast, which is an interview with Edwin and uh, Morgan from the band Half Form Things, there are also two bits of music which we don't mention in the podcast. First up is the apostate, and then at the end of the podcast you'll hear To Walk Freely, and both are tracks from their amazing album To Live in the Flicker. Undoubtedly one of my albums of the year so far. And you'll hear me fawning more uh, during the podcast itself. Uh, It was a fascinating discussion, as you're about to hear. So without further ado, you're going to hear The Apostate, and then myself, Edwin and Morgan talking about half fun things. I hope you enjoy.
Hello everyone and welcome to another Scotch Way podcast. And today I'm talking to Edwin and Morgan from Half Formed Things. Hello both. Hello. Hi. And to say it's just the two of you, uh, Nikki and Matthew, are not here today. So they can give their side of the story another day too. (laughs) If you you disagree with anything, feel free to have your right of reply. Um, I'm sure they will. (laughs) I'm here to talk to you, ostensibly your debut album, Mm -hmm. uh, To Live in the Flicker, is out. Um, But also... I'm excited because I'm a big fan of the band, <laughs> as you know. Sure. Um, so this could be like 40 minutes of me just telling me how you <laughs> you. I can uh, take that. <laughs> so before we get into uh, details and all that, I'm interested mm. in names with you guys because Half Fun Things, where does that come from? Sure. Um, so it comes from the novel A Girl is a Half Fun Thing. It's, uh, the, the, I don't know how to describe it, it's lyrical, it's beautiful, it's devastating, it's... It chronicles, inc- it chronicles her lifespan from from the smallest, most um, mm. minuscule thought patterns as an infant and then kind of progresses as she, as she grows older and it's her witnessing her family's life. Yeah. And now the, from that, I actually yeah. think I do know the book you mean. I haven't read it. I mean, if it hasn't it's, been released in Scotland in the last 10 years, mm. the chances are I haven't read it. Sure. But, uh, it's yeah, I, I know the one. Bride, that's right. Was it in Europe? I think so. Right, okay. Right, so that's interesting. That does make me want to go and read it. And I have heard it is a very powerful book. It's called White something, yeah. Very, very... But that's where the band's name came from, because Morgan had a copy of it. Um, in do. her yeah yeah you had a copy of it um, on your bedside all the time it was just kind of sitting there mm. all the time back when the band first started coming together it goes to show the amount of times I tried to read it yeah yeah totally um, <laughs> and we'd be hanging out there and so I, I kind of just absorbed because I just thought it was a wonderful a wonderful phrase a girl is a half formed thing I, I, that just kind of stuck um, so I kind of absorbed that passively and I did try reading the book and have tried reading it um, a couple of times since, obviously, especially after we named a band after it, <laughs> I felt obliged to. But um, yes, when it came to the band naming process, um, it's quite funny. We've never talked about this, so I think my recollection of it might be a little bit skewed. I'm going to test the water with this just right, now. Okay. As far as I remember, when we were in the naming band stage, which is always brutal for any band, <laughs> I'm fairly certain I initially pitched you. Um, I think it was quite late one night, so I think maybe you were like, you know, just past it. And I just went, how about half worn things? And you were just kind of like, oh yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, she's not into that. <laughs> so I never brought it up ever again. And then we were talking about it as a group. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, we were at a complete dead end and we're like, yeah, we're never going to find a name for this band. It's, I, can't, I can't remember any of the alternatives. Um, I'm sure they were terrible. Um, and then I'm like, yeah. I wish you guys were more into half-worn things because I quite liked that. And then you were like, that's excellent, we need to do it. And I was like, what? So yeah, as far as I remember, the first time it just kind of misfired and then the second time all of a sudden it just kind of clicked. It and we all incredibly got it. plausible, so I'm going to say that yeah. that's <laughs> <laughs> I, I like this idea that it's now required reading for the rest of the band here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I certainly thought back when the band was more of an abstract idea, when the band was more of a creative aspiration than mm. an actual concrete thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly thought because the prose in that book is very lyrical, um, it's it, yeah, it kind of pushes into abstraction. Mm-hmm. Um, 
to a point where it's almost yeah it's it's lyrical and there was something yeah it, it wasn't a tangible thing per se but I had a vague idea where I was like something about that is a that's a benchmark for the mm-hmm. band yeah. whether it's we're writing songs about these kind of issues or whether it's you know we're writing songs with this kind of approach to lyrics or you sure. know whatever I definitely felt there was a connection there between us and the book I don't know if we you know it's kind of a, it's kind of a lofty thing to put out there because <laughs> it, <is. laughs> it kind of doesn't surprise me because I, I will talk about this a bit more but it seems to me that all of these things really matter to you mm. oh absolutely and, and, yeah. yeah no sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you um I think I think also from the very beginning we were we were quite intent on making sure that our collective feminist views were at the forefront of our writing process and um, our, our representation also when we played live. It's always been something that we we have heavily um, emphasized or at least tried to yeah. in our dynamic privately and um, also when we're showcasing our music. It's, uh, it should probably also be said that um, Matthew and I started the band initially um, after... In fact, it was your band with Matthew, um, A Fight You Can't Win, yeah. disbanded. And Matthew had said to me at the time, um, you know, when this is finished, you and I should do some music. And, um, you know, he'd always had in his, in, his, in his head that he was going to end up doing some sort of um, alt-country type <laughs> thing. Um, to which, you know, I, 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 I joyfully... <laughs> I joyfully... Um, uh, accepted and um we had a couple of initial meetings and you know bashed out a couple of bits and pieces um and in fact actually Edwin and I met quite well officially met quite soon after this actually yeah um there's actually there's one song on the record that the first song that was, the yeah, flicker the first song. that technically predates me joining the band yeah technically it was it the was, it was our first song it was the song it was more or less the song that sold me on the band because the idea of me joining Matthew and I's prior band, which was a punk band called The Fight You Can't Win, um, we'd been going for about two and a half years, and then it just kind of it just kind of petered out a little bit. We had some people leave, and then we just we hit a bit of a wall with it. So I was no longer in a full-time kind of writing touring band anymore and I wasn't really sure if I wanted to jump back into mm. a band with sort of the same group of musicians or mm-hmm. people I collaborated with before so I was quite I was quite resistant to it and then Morgan and Matthew played The Flicker which only existed back then I believe um, the chorus, it only existed as the chorus which is the outro the loud outro of that song on record and you played at a New Year's party yeah that's right because one of our friends had a piano so you you both kind of mashed it out. Yeah. And um, it was very different in the feel. There was a lot more... Um, the pace was totally different. Yeah, the pace was very different. It was, the whole blueprint was a lot different to what happened. I feel like I kind of ruined the blueprint <laughs> to some extent. Um, although, although if, we, you, if you listen back to the original demo, it's actually, you know, it's, 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 it's definitely evolved since then, but there's, there's oh yeah, certainly yeah. strong threads from, from that era. I, mean, I feel like it's a totally different era. Yeah, oh, completely. Um, yeah. Uh, things things found very natural, which happens a lot with any creative project. You know, I think it's it's cute when people try to over conceptualize things and go, you know, I'm going to do a band that sounds like this. Mm. But then, as soon as you bring 
different minds together. Yeah. The end result, it's never what you think it's going to be. Which is and exactly sometimes, what happened. Yeah, and sometimes that's a good thing. Totally, it's exactly um, what happened. Other times people fight against that and yeah. you end up in this toing and froing identity mm. crisis kind of thing. And thankfully we, because the initial concepts, this is deviating somewhat, but the initial concept for half-formed things, the forced intellectualized concept you know at very least on my part was oh we could sound like low and stuff like that you know we could be really quiet and i think i think i think from yeah really (laughs) oh yeah specifically i mean i I think i think for me a big part of the novelty value from that was having come from a punk band Mm -hmm. and the idea of like not even slow core but like quiet core where it's like you know what if we try to make the quietest music we can um because i'm a big fan of Talk Talk. I'm a big fan of, in particular, Mark Hollis's solo album yes. that he did after Talk Talk, which Absolutely. is just is one of the quietest records ever. It's like earth shatteringly quiet. It's like it's so quiet, it's loud. Yeah, it's like, and then um, that dynamics always kind of intrigued me. I'm not very good at it, um, as anyone who's seen us live <laughs> knows. Um, but I can't imagine you playing the drums quietly. No, indeed. <laughs> but, but, when, but when we started, that was very much the kind of like the circle we were trying to push the square into right. and I think um, I think we were pretty much like in denial about yeah, it totally until, from the outset I mean come on <laughs> yeah we were, we, we were in denial about it right up until our first gig mm. where um, <laughs> we had a bit of a you know we, we had some disagreements with the sound guy there and he he just said well you guys just sound like a wall of sound if that's what you're going for. If that's what you're going for, that's fine. And, you know, we were mortified. We were like, oh my God, you know, because we wanted everything to sound... And, you know, we do want things to sound super nuanced, but we weren't ready for the idea that we were a loud band. And everyone who yeah. saw us was like, wow, that was loud as hell. Because I was yeah. still playing like I had just quit a punk band yeah. a year ago because I had. And, yeah, it was... That was a moment where we kind of realised the natural process that was going on mm-hmm. the natural collision that was happening and mm-hmm. started to let that happen and mm-hmm. from then the band's identity just kind of revealed itself definitely there know? was a lot of there was a lot of resistance to what actually was yeah. really um but to 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 bring this all back around um <laughs> Stu Stu joined the band um not long after sorry I've said Stu because that's what everybody calls you yeah. <laughs> Edwin joined the band after um not actually that long after we started dating mm. um and <laughs> we we very fast realized that um as a direct result things had started moving at a very different pace and um the the process of kind of unpicking what Matthew and I had originally decided or you know at least laid down as what was going to be the foundation for this alt gothic country band was very much never going to happen and that was actually a really great thing because what happened after Edwin joined was we i think solidified a passion for bringing forth the beauty between fragility and the might behind what you can do when you go mental with your instrument. Yeah. Mm. And therein lies the, you know, the roller coaster of your emotional palette. And yeah. sure. there's, there's very much, um, 
there's very much of I don't know how to say what I'm thinking. <laughs> there's 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 so much in that with our relationship as a unit as well, especially yeah. now with the introduction of my sister, yeah. who joined almost almost two years ago. Almost two years Al- ago. Almost two years ago. Um, because the dynamic between myself and Edwin and Matt was already very close. Obviously, Edwin and I had started our relationship. Um, a year into our relationship, we moved in with each other and our flat became band HQ and Matthew was, you know, 15 minutes walk down the road and everyone was always at our house. Yeah. And Nikki, my sister, was always around regardless anyway. And so when she when she did some guest vocals on um, Embers, which I think we released in 2018, 2017? No, 2017. 2017. Yeah. Um, it, it, was, it was not, like, because I'd actually mentioned to Evan quite a few times before, you know, I, I think, I, I really think Nikki would be a good addition to the band. And, yeah. and, and I think um, he was very protective of the, the dynamic that we had with Matthew and the idea of expanding yeah. that was quite... Um, it was quite sort of difficult to imagine, I think, more than anything else. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until we worked together and, you know, there was that click between between us, not just as musicians, but the closeness of our friendship and our relationships um, has very much informed um, the emotional landscape of our music, I think. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. It's, I think that's something you can see... Um when you play live, uh, I think you can hear oh, it in the music as well. <laughs> no, because I think there's a, there's a, there's a, um, an understanding and a sense of trust, I think, more than anything mm. else. And I'll try to explain that. Because you do play loud. Yes. And I think when I, having known other bands, that when you play, um, often someone says, oh, you were playing too loud tonight, or mm. you were doing that, or there's some kind of tension that you can sense. You know, I've seen it with bands. Oh, could you turn this guy's guitar down, or could you turn? Yeah, and I might have missed it, but I don't get that with you. I think everyone gets a kind of equal. Uh, I'm, I'm really interested no, in the whole structure yeah. of the band in the way that you know different instruments take their turn at the front, mm-hmm. uh, and this is on record as well as live. You know, sure. you'll get the. The, the, the drums might be a lead instrument or the piano is a lead instrument or the harmonies become the lead mm-hmm. instrument and I guess what you say makes a lot of sense because you almost have to be uh, a, a unit as close as you're suggesting for that to, to work well yeah we yeah. we decided really early on that it was important to I mean it was it was you know naturally and um, you know it was incredibly important to us that there was no hierarchy yeah. and that our unit was very much even yeah and that that was represented so you know me saying before that we were very um we felt it was very important that when we represented ourselves that there was you know and it, and it might seem nitpicky but that the display between male and female vocals was 50 50 and that it wasn't it like there was never one 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 instrument that took the lead because yeah. it's it's a democracy you know it's something that we're all yeah passionately contributing our absolute all to and so it makes no sense for something to push forward when everyone else is equally contributing yeah the the ultimate visual representation of that is our stage setup yeah that's true which is an arc so Mm -hmm. everyone is either at the front or at the center Mm -hmm. there's no which people we've gotten to a stage now where we've done it enough that people are identifying it as a thing we do yeah um and which is interesting because it resonates with people um particularly women um, 
as recently as the show we played in Glasgow yeah. last weekend, we've had people saying, I like how there's no hierarchy and how you arrange yourselves on stage. At that show, we were just in a straight line across the way. But it, which is good for me because it feels like it's carrying across because yeah. it's, it's not so much a message as it is just a, a framework through which mm-hmm. the band is best understood, I think. I feel like if you were to approach us because ev- ev- you know everything you listen to benefits from a framework to listen to it through mm-hmm. I think you know if you if you listen to Nick Cave through the framework of this being music well latter era Nick Cave yeah. uh, through the framework of this is heavily lyrical and it's Nick Cave's band so if there's five verses in this song and nothing really happens I'm not going to be surprised by that I get it mm-hmm. it's the same with our form things because not exclusively or as a general rule, but generally speaking, there's never lead instrumentation. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's just a big wall of stuff going on. There are some exceptions to that, inevitably. But So when you listen to it through a particular lens, you won't be surprised by the voice changing every mm. five seconds. You won't be surprised by the lack of guitar solos and the way in which mix-wise things kind of sit at a similar level. Mm-hmm that sort of thing and the stage setup is kind of like the ultimate visual representation of that fact you know it's like this is what we're about you can see before we start playing you know I mean because everyone is playing their instruments at the top of their game but as you say there's not someone who goes right and now it's time for the drum solo or now it's I mean in fact almost is gauche to suggest that you would do that hilariously <laughs> enough he has actually started doing that <laughs> Interestingly, I've started doing drum solos at shows. But, um, it's working really well, I have to it's say. Working, it's working really well, but I understand exactly what you mean. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. And I was interested, um, I mean, I'd heard the individual tracks and I could see how it sure. translated to record, but to hear it over a whole album is, mm. is something else. And how did you uh, how did you come to approach doing the album, <laughs> something that you'd done, sure. you know, been doing live for a while? Um it's quite interesting it happened in a very natural way um, you couldn't have I said this I can't remember where I said this I said this recently with an interview we did um, you couldn't do an album like ours if with a band that functioned any differently to how we function mm-hmm. and that's not just in terms of songwriting hierarchy or the absence of such it's also just to do with the pace we work at and how we approach songs mm-hmm. we very much we very much coax songs out. Um, there's a loose hierarchy, not hierarchy, there's a loose structure with myself almost as the kind of curator or producer of stuff and everyone else as the people that make the musical bits. Mm-hmm. And there's blurring between those lines. Mm-hmm. But So from my perspective, the album was something that in my head was being gradually curated over time you know kind of like a like a garden almost it was you know that, that sounds that sounds terrible <laughs> that sounds, no I'm liking it that, that sounds like absolute guff but it was it, it was um, it was cultivated in a sense so you know there are songs on the album that for example uh, The Flicker the first track on the album is the bones of that essentially predate me joining the band yeah old we're talking 2015 um, well I, I, I wrote it in like 2006 yeah, sure, sure, sure. Well, you wrote, you wrote the yeah the riff in two thousand six, yeah, yeah. yeah, and then so bones of that existed before I joined. There's a couple other songs, uh, the one you hate and among men that existed as 
riffs and bits and bobs roundabout when I joined and we mm-hmm. kind of jammed on them for a while there was we've never worked on a basis of because there's no principal songwriter generally speaking very few of the songs come pre-packaged or you know mm-hmm. I've written this song can you put some music to it or anything like that mm-hmm. usually it's just bits right. usually those bits gradually start to accumulate character and yeah. you know things refine themselves over time but I think I think it's also because we kind of move at a glacial pace mm. uh, relative to other bands I've been in before. Um, we go quite slow and we take our time with stuff. We don't force things. A lot of things to gestate. But I think yeah. that's admirable. That's one thing I was going to bring up. It seems that you, uh, whether it's uh, it's just the way you've decided to work, it seems like it is, you're not going to be rushed into anything. You're not yeah. going to, you know... Um, so it would have been 2017, I first heard you, I reckon. Yes. Uh, and uh, and yeah, you think, oh, what do you more? And what do you more now? Mm. But it's good that you, you know, you, it's just, no, no, I'm, we're going to wait till we are absolutely happy with this. And I think yeah. that probably goes for everything around it. You know, I mean, yes. you, when yes. I mentioned that you take these things seriously, I'm thinking all sorts of things like, album covers you've already spoken about the way you are on stage mm. you've also the, the philosophy for want of a better term behind the band and all of those things um, and it's quite a big thing to be able to all agree that this is the direction that we're going well I mean the thing is that at least from my perspective my disposition is not towards um, taking my time with stuff uh, on a <laughs> on a on a kind of gut basis, you know, I I have another band that I do vocals in called Britney, which is plug, plug, plug. which is like a it's it's just insane communist math core. It's it yeah, it's 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 hard to explain what Britney is. It's <laughs> it's um it's great fun. But we at least when we started, we're doing and this was round about the time just before Half Form Things started, mm-hmm. we were doing a record every year. Right. Yeah. And I like working like that. Again, instinctively, I think that's something I'm drawn towards. But with half Foreign Things, there was this understanding that there was a correct or a best way for us to work. And I resisted that for at least the first couple of years mm-hmm. of us existing. Yeah. I, got, you know, I was getting cold feet very quickly, very mm-hmm. early on when the band... The reason we released our first ever free track EP in 2016, yeah. so that was like our first year, yeah, yeah. was because even within our first year... I was getting cold feet and I was like, you know, we're not doing anything. We need to do a record, you know, because for me, the record is always the most exciting part of the process. Um, so we did that basically to start cementing stuff and start gears turning and start things moving. So for the album to subsequently take another three years was... Very against the grain for you. I, yeah, very against the grain for me. But, but so it was this conflict between what I understood to be the best way for us to work versus how I wanted to push mm. things. Yeah. So it's it's actually not so much a process that we all happen to... It's, it's not so much a process that we all happen to um, work... 
it's, yeah, it's a process we all agree on rationally. Yeah. I think it's not necessarily how we all work. No. Naturally. No, I don't think but so. But it, yeah, it's, we, we have an understanding. Yeah. But it comes back to this idea of perhaps the greater good. You can say that Absolutely. I think yeah, this, this is a really special relationship we've definitely. got here and yeah. therefore I'll put aside perhaps what my instincts are to kind of work for. Yeah, absolutely. And I think yeah. and I think the, the the fact that we all have a very unique bond with each other um, individually as well. Like, of course, Matthew's been in a band with Stu, sorry, Edwin, for... We can work around that. People have worked it out by now. <laughs> There's only three of us around the table. <laughs> <laughs> it just comes too naturally, I'm sorry. Um, I, I am asking a pretty, like, annoying thing of everyone who's ever known me for longer than a few years. It's true. So, yeah. <laughs> it's all right. I, I respect your decision and I'm trying. <laughs> um... Matthew had been in a band with Edwin for obviously I think what you're in that band for th- three years together. Thereabouts. Yeah. Thereabouts, um, and so of course Matthew's quite used to the way that Edwin works, and mm-hmm. um, because you also produced the the yes. latter yeah. records for um, a fight you can't win, um, and then of course Nikki and I who have obviously grown up together we, we we listen to music in a very 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 similar way right. we approach music in a very similar way um it's very much down to um our father's influence you know um he's also um a wonderful wonderful musician he plays guitar um and our mother who has she she says she has no musical ability but i know for a fact she used to play guitar but she has one of the <laughs> best ears i think i've ever uh, yeah. heard yeah and they you know together both instilled quite quite a um I think quite a well-rounded way of listening to music that I I, I find I find to be quite precious, especially yeah. considering it's um, something I share with my sister. You know, it's a it's a another another level because she's easily my best friend as well. Yeah. Um, and so and then of course Edwin and I have started um, up this relationship, and yeah. you know Matthew and I have been friends for years, and Nikki's been introduced into this friend group, and so all across purposes where we're you know trying to cultivate this thing and I think it, it took it took quite a long time because um like you were saying the 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 way that it ended up working was very much against the grain and sure. we were all trying to honor all of these beautiful connections that we had whilst also trying to work creatively together yeah. with very 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 different processes and for Nikki and I processes that had not even begun to actually be mm. understood even by ourselves because Nikki and I had never been in bands before. I was a bedroom shower musician. You know? yeah. I never did anything or showed anyone anything unless it was drawn out of me yeah. or if I'd had a couple of drinks. Like it was very limited. So here I am trying to work with these, from my perspective, seasoned musicians and they're mm. incredibly frustrated for me because I'm like, no, it's not perfect yet, you know? I think this is really interesting and I think it... it there's lots of things about your sound that I'm interested in, like we haven't talked about influences yet and <laughs> things like that. But it appears to me from what you're saying is like in a lot of bands, if um, someone goes, oh, I don't like what, you know, the guitar player's doing, let's get another guitar player. Yeah, yeah. But mm. your relationships are, are fundamentally important. Oh, absolutely. You know, that would, I mean, for band, obvious reasons, you know. The band wouldn't exist unless we'd all... Found found a mutual emotional respect and connection first. But it almost forces you to say no. We we have to make we have the we stop the band completely, or we have to make the band work because that's, we have yeah, to be absolutely. together. And it's a absolutely. it's a really um, 
interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, as a, a fan, I actually really like the fact that there's been you know a track out and then not much, and then another track mm-hmm. out. Because it good. reminds me of when I first started getting into music and you kind of become obsessed by a band and you kind of go, oh, when's the next thing out? Yeah. You have to wait. You know, and it's not just all, well, here's the whole back catalogue and one fell yeah. yeah, but sure, you sure, sure. that. Um, so... I'm interested by influences because I've reviewed a lot of bands over the years and there's not many where I first hear them I think I don't think that sounds like anything else I've heard of yes I can get little bits and pieces and mm. but as a whole this sounds completely fresh to me um, how do you how do you think about your, your own sound do you know the influences can you go yeah that's a bit of a top top thing or that's a bit of a whatever maybe to an extent I mean uh, it's very the I think <sighs> half one things to me is the closest any band I've ever been in has come to kind of wiping out the the, indi- the musical individualism that mm. kind of breaks bands that separates mm-hmm. g- good bands from great bands we're you know we we struggle with it but we're we're doing better at it than any band I've ever been in before right. you know there's a huge it's like it's like when you hear stuff like Steve Reich like drumming compositions it's like the people putting aside individualism not individuality but individualism mm-hmm. in favor of group expression which yeah. is like this higher thing um, because of that. Our relationship with our music is quite interesting because to a certain extent, it's why I find it very, because I do the marketing and such for the band, I actually find it quite easy because there's almost a certain, it applies to production as well, a certain degree of removal between me and the music to an extent, which is interesting because I, you know, I pour everything I've got into it, but there's part, like, to a great extent it exists out with me and I think that's Mm -hmm. the same for all of us because we're, we're, invoking things we're letting things mm. naturally flow and the end result it's the same with improvised music as well even though our music is not in any way improvised we're kind of the opposite extreme yeah. you listen back to it you don't remember doing it and you're like oh it's like listening to someone else it's the same with us all listening to these bits of music and trying to steer it in its natural direction it's almost like it's organically living outside of you which mm-hmm. is a long you know, and what I'm saying in a long winded way is that our influences or the things we identify as influences tend to come after the fact uh, and they tend to be completely subjective you know it's like it's when we sit when we sit and talk about our music it's like it's like modern art crit or something you know like we're all kind of re- we're, all, we're all kind of retroactively going we never we never you know we never set out we to have never sound, ever set out sound like something else yeah we have never yeah, ever yeah, ever yeah, ever yeah. once set out which you know I don't mean in a kind of like self-conscious it's bad to do that it's not bad at all to no. do that I love doing that I love going mm, I, want absolutely. I want to be in a band that sounds like Kate Bush or whatever that's great but we just we've literally never, never done, done that we just do stuff and then afterwards we go oh I'm getting bits of talk talk I'm getting bits yeah. of this yeah. and that well it's interesting as a reviewer because often you'll uh, hear a band and you go um, well I have to compare this to something because that's what people expect in a review mm. yeah. and with some bands it, it, it's easier than others and uh, with you it was particularly d- difficult but then I thought well let's turn this into a positive because you think that Indeed. here's a band that you you know are going to give you something new yeah yeah I think um, it was it was it was an incredibly beautiful compliment 
that we received that I think we've 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 kept repeating and it's awful because I can't actually remember who said it. So if the person who said it is listening to this, please tell us it was you so we can you know <laughs> keep you in our hearts forever. Um, but somebody told me that it it sounded timeless to them. Yeah. And mm. I think I think it was quite an interesting lens to view our music through because it, mm. it, it, cha- it changed it for me, thinking about what we were writing and saying, okay, well, yeah, actually they were right because I can, I can hear 70s here and I can hear 80s here and I can hear 90s here. Yeah. And then, you know, there's, there's, there's something from so many errors in a lot of the different tracks and I think that's I think that's a really it's a really beautiful thing to have and I'm incredibly grateful for it um, and I'm incredibly grateful to the person who said that to us <laughs> um, because yeah it's it's um it's not it's you're right it's not often that you that you that you find that you find that you're kind of lost for a way to describe um, what it is that you're doing because it seems like the kind of thing that you should have down pat if somebody says to you what's your music like which we get asked all yeah. the time yeah, yeah, yeah. and every single time everyone hesitates because yeah. it's not I'm just not quite sure how to like how do you how do you how do you describe it in a in a succinct way that's going to make it land for you yeah. you know because I know what it sounds yeah. like but and I know the words that would tick those boxes in my brain, but I've got no idea how to tell that to you, yeah. really. And in a way, that's what you should do. You know, you say, well, I don't know, what do you think? Because yeah, yeah. each listener will, will find yeah. something uh, different and, or not care. I'll just go, no, I just really like it. Yeah, yeah for sure. That, that's been, if there's one thing, obviously this is getting into just, you know, me circle jerking over my own band. Like, I, I, don't, I don't want it to seem that way, but if there was one, <laughs> but you know, I'm, I am very, proud of the music we make mm. and I if there's one thing that I'm most proud of about the band and I feel like I can say it because of the cultivation factor and the fact that there's a degree of separation the stuff I'm talking about it's it's almost like I can say that because it's not calculated but mm. the timeless factor is something that I broadly agree with mm. and I'm again we didn't calculate it so I feel like it's okay for me to be say, say that I'm super happy about the fact it's there because you know I, I do broadly agree because I feel like you know I don't feel like we're a quote-unquote cool band in any way no. nowadays no. and then it's like but you see other bands and it's like oh they would have been cool 30 years ago yeah totally whereas that doesn't apply to us like I think we would have been equally as uncool 30 years 10 ago. years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago <laughs> I reckon we still will be in 10 or 20 or 30 years which is essentially so you say your uncoolness is timeless as well as the music our uncoolness transcends time itself um, yeah I mean I, I and I think that is the definition of timelessness I'm very proud of the fact that it's fallen into that kind of groove again mm. it wasn't something calculated what, what we originally intended was very much the opposite like if, if when we'd very at the very beginning when we'd started the band our initial aspiration for it had come to fruition it probably would have sounded really sounded really time stamped probably, people would yeah. have listened to it and said you know oh that's just like oh I get it it's 2000 Scottish indie music or something yeah, like that yeah. it would have had a lot of those tropes and there's nothing wrong with that at all mm-hmm. it's just through the process that we've just kind of fallen into we've ended up with stuff where it's like I listen to it and I go I don't know how to you know it's not it's not harsh noise music or anything but I'm still like you know I I don't know how to categorize it, mm-hmm. you know, and that's interesting. It's an interesting relationship to have with your own art. It's almost like it's it helps, almost like it you helps just... that degree of separation. I think when you listen to it, you don't and, know how yeah, to categorize it for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not just 
timeless in that sense. I think it's out of genre, or it's not. It doesn't fit in with any kind of scenes at the horrible world. But <laughs> do you know what I mean? There, as you say, there are people that will sound like Scottish noise rock, or there'll be people that sound yeah, like sure. that term dream pop, which I'm not entirely sure what it means. But, <laughs> it means uh, it means a lot of different things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I, I, listen, I'm sure I've, ri- I've written it a few times, <laughs> but I. I'm also interested in the other influences that that are there, perhaps not music or perhaps not pop and rock and modern music. Are there other things as as well? Because it strikes me that there's almost, uh, with with your harmonies in particular, there's almost a kind of choral aspect to it. Um, Well, I mean, we... It's everyone in the band you ask will have a different answer for this, again, because we don't set out with anything. I mean... I'm a huge fan of stuff that's harmonically dense. Mm-hmm. Personally, like I, I'm a huge. Me, Morgan, and Nikki are all really big Steely Dan fans. Me and like too. Do- Donald Fagan, and like anything involving Michael McDonald, anything that involves really stacked harmonies. Yeah. Like and because Steely Dan harmonies or like harmonization in the chords Donald Fagan uses, you know, there's been plenty of people who've done papers on this and such. It's essentially choral music like it yeah. uses a lot of the same intervals and stuff like that that you will hear in like it's insane like the Steely Dan rabbit hole is one of the deepest in all of music it's just like if it's one of these if you know you know kind of things <laughs> like that's and I feel like for for Morgan and Nikki especially that kind of music goes way back oh and yeah I, it's I feel a like there's family a family kind of, institution yeah I feel like there's a dyed in the wool appreciation for <laughs> Harmonic richness. There's a bit. There's a bit at the end of the song, because from a production standpoint, there's a few bits on the album that are big stamps for me on them. Which what kind of it, stamps? In, 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 as in their me moments. That, right. Okay. That people have actually told me of that. that I could tell. Like I could tell that was something you would do, and I'm you know not entirely sure about the ethics of that. You know because obviously. I've got a lot of production ethics and transparency and stuff like that. You know, we don't need to get into that. <laughs> but either way, things will come through that are very me. There's a moment at the end of the apostate where um, the really, really close, the brutally close, the, 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 the so brutal we can't do it live close, close harmonies just right. stick on a loop and they just yeah, keep yeah, going. Yeah. And the reverb turns up and saturates more and more till it's just a blanket. And at the end of Pendulum, transitioning into the song April, where you just have a kind of sea of harmonics, like that kind of thing is. Mm, it's very you. I, I live for that kind of thing. I love dense, mm. yeah, just dense whole notes of. <laughs> which, is, which is interesting, actually, because it's a it's a it's a meeting it's a meeting of minds on that on that on that front. Because Nikki sure. and I, you know, of course, have always have always sung together, and I think she and I both have a huge um, soft spot for harmonies that not not just not just raise the hairs on the back of your neck but should like shouldn't work but do yeah and i think that's 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 something that we've really tried to not not necessarily um set out to write and you know make make happen but no, we just, when we just do. when it's happened we've tried our best post to showcase it and yeah. go oh my god that's a thing that's a thing that 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 fits perfectly here 
Um, Ma- Ma- Matthew's the same because Matthew's you know, obviously different. Matthew originally when the band started he was gravitating towards a dark country thing because yeah. he loves his gut-wrenching yeah. harmonies as well like The Apostate again is a song mm. where that's really really clear that's, yeah. that, that's essentially that's essentially us doing a first aid kit song or something <laughs> you know that's the Half Form Things version of that it's like what if we put like you know insane intervals yeah. <laughs> over what is in theory just a kind of rolling yeah. dark country song yeah, um, yeah so there's, a, there's a mutual appreciation for harmony mm-hmm. whether it's between instruments between voices yeah just yeah. as a broad picture you know yeah and there's quite there's quite a few there's quite a few um little passages like like the one at the um, at the end of the one you hate where if you take the instrumentation away from it you're listening to it and it sounds like a nightmare like literally sounds like a nightmare it does not work at yeah. all it's like three voices doing something but it only makes sense when the rest of the music and there's a root note you know yeah. underneath it yeah we, we, we spend a lot <laughs> we spend a lot more time on that than I mean, maybe not more time than people would realise maybe people do think we're very deliberate about what we do but there's moments in again the apostate um, I just mention this because the three part harmonies in apostate are so they're bad br- shit. so brutal they and they're are, so close yeah. but um, there are in the turns between some of the notes and the interaction between the three vocal parts the guitar chord the piano chords mm-hmm. and the bass there's some like nigh on unlistenable dissonance in there yeah, in yeah. little moments so while I, you know, when I was in really deep on the mixing side of it there were bits <laughs> where I was just going oh my god and I was looping these like like 0.5 of a second bits just over and over just going duh 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 and I'd be like Morgan I think this is a mistake. I mean, we'd, 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 be, we'd be mapping out. Help me! Yeah, we'd be mapping oh, out. We got in so deep. Yeah, we'd be no ma- mapping out every single one of those chord of those notes on a piano to make sure it was in key. And like most of them are, they're just really dark. But like, yeah, mm. there's there's a lot of harmonic Jenga going on with yeah, the album. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And I think and I think also um, the uh, the passages again in a pot state. Um, this is. It's potentially a, a total rabbit hole. I think. I think there's a there's a degree of trauma for the both of us that we haven't yet unpicked. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, like just just you know little bits and pieces where we look back, partly due to the fact that it's one of the songs that we struggle with most right. live, right? Yes. Partly due to the fact that these these passages involve all of us jumping. There's yeah. no like you know. If you're a choir person and you go in and you've got your piece of sheet music and you can see your soprano, alto and your bass and everything's going, you know, and following more or less some kind of arc, right? If you put the passages for apostate on a piece of sheet music, it's like I start down the bottom and reach reach up the top and Nikki takes that top note and takes the bottom note and then we swap and then it happens again and then Matthew slots in and it's, you know, the only way that we would... Yeah. I'm just yeah. going to finish that sentence. <laughs> we've, we've gotten very far from the brief on this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in, ter- in terms of influences out with artists, there's a shared love of harmony. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is really interesting, again, because um, I th- there is something gothic, for want of a better term, about sure. the sound, something a little bit dark. Mm-hmm. I talk about, and harmonies incredible harmonies but one again there's this often loud music not always but behind it but yeah every instrument is there and on its own 
I think talking about Steely Dan and, and <laughs> Michael McDonald in particular, it sounds shocked to me. Yeah, it's a little bit like if if Michael McDonald went to a really dark place and is slightly <laughs> off, you know, because yeah. the harmonies are there, but really, you know, it's like, oh, I'm having a bad day. Um, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a huge, okay, I get that. That's a huge compliment. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of uh, overall... Um, Kind of how sound is uh, your sound is affected. We're sitting uh, in in Edinburgh, and it sure. struck me. Uh, I mean, Edinburgh, in, to me, coming from Glasgow, is quite a kind of gothic city. Yeah, and does sure. place kind of have a place for how you sound? Is it? Do you feel that at all? I've never, I've never been able to work that out with anything I've ever done. I've never mm-hmm. worked. I mean, I can understand that in the extremes. You know, I mean, it's like I went off into the mountains to write an album, mm-hmm. and it's all glacial synthesizers or something it's like yeah get that but then when you when you live in a kind of metropolitan city yeah. is metropolitan right word whatever yeah. when you when you live in just a big city you know the the, char- the the thing about trying to categorize cities is that the character of a city can be anything to anyone mm-hmm. it can it almost depends where you are in that city you know it's yeah. like because from from our perspective i still consider half foreign things a leaf band right even mm-hmm. though now None of us live in Leaf anymore. Except for Matthew. Sort Matthew, Matthew sort of. He's on, he's on the edge of Leaf, yeah. Um, because when the band formed Fruits, more or less, Fruits kind of most pivotal stages of recording of the album and such, yeah. we lived in Leaf. And it was done in our flat in Leaf. Yeah, and I, and I consider us a Leaf band because Leaf's one area of Edinburgh that I can kind of resonate with as this culturally diverse for mm. now. Um melting pot of stuff Edinburgh Edinburgh is not broadly speaking a particularly diverse city mm-hmm. right. it's one where the indigenous population is being very much pushed out by soaring costs of yeah, living yeah, yeah. and such and it's also just a very white city very it's, white. Um, it's very different to Glasgow in that respect whereas Leaf feels a lot more yeah, Leaf feels a lot more optimistic in that respect if you're someone who values culture and who values diversity and such. I, Yeah, for, for me it's impossible to trace how that's influenced the band. It must have. Like, I, I don't believe it hasn't. But especially given that the four of us all come from different places. Yeah. And I'm the only Edinburgh native in the band. Right. Morgan and Nikki are from Australia. Matthew's from Northern Ireland. And we've all just kind of met here, which is quite, uh, which is quite Edinburgh, in a sense. So mm. yeah, there's there's ways to tie us back. I I've always referred to us in press releases and stuff, as being, I say that we cast grandi- we set we, we cast cinematic grandiosity against Edinburgh's gothic cityscape. Yeah, that's the that. that's that's the line. That's that That'll do. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's worked it's worked for a few years. I mean and. There's a thing there, but as of a lot of the conceptualising with this band, it's done in retrospect. Mm-hmm. It's right. like, I, I listen to us and much like you have kind of come to a conclusion where I go, there is some gothicness here. Yeah. Edinburgh is quite a gothic city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, th- I think we're quite an Edinburgh band. I don't actually know what that means. No, I, no. Just, I just know that there's something there. So yeah, I've been kind of trying to do, trying to bring those things together and work it out. I'll probably never work out what that is because again, it could just be that place doesn't affect me personally. Because I was thinking about um, uh, albums in particular that feel like uh, one, uh, 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 right, you know, it follows right through, and I think To Live in the Flicker does that as well. Mm. You know, it feels like one piece, if you like. You know, that, I mean, the songs 
often literally move into one another, yeah. but you know they feel that they all are where they should be and everything. Sure. And it, it got me thinking about, um, particularly the first Blue Nile album, Walk right, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. which, uh, while not sounding similar, doesn't sound like anyone else but them, I think. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I was thinking, well, what makes that that bit different? And I often think it is because it's so linked to Glasgow, the, the walk across the rooftops is the walk across Glasgow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, this is probably me, but that's kind of what I do, <laughs> put sure. things onto things. But you know, you've got the, the church bells at the start and yeah. the end of the yes. record. And I just wondered whether this, which seemed to me for some reason like a, an Edinburgh thing to have happen. Well, well I, yeah. there's, a, there's layers to that. Um, I actually agree. Uh, a part of why I thought it was appropriate is that it is very, to me, it's very Edinburgh. Edinburgh's not the only place that has churches. No, of course but, not. Because uh, that's a church across the road from our flat. So we heard that every Sunday oh, wow. while we were, well, you know, for for the free, the free years that we lived there. Yeah, I um, think that's while the we thing. while we wrote the songs, recorded the album. That was just part of the scenery. Yeah. Um, all the ambient sounds recorded throughout the album are from outside the window, because it's that was a big part of the process or the kind of concept that started to fall into place as we made the album was wanting, especially because during the production process, Morgan and I were kicked out of our flat. Right. Um, because the landlord sold up so there was this kind of tying a bow on this era of the band mm-hmm. and the location felt inseparable so it's like mm-hmm. I want to capture the location um, hence the use of ambient sounds the other layer is just that it's a straight rip off of the sensual world by Kate Bush <laughs> um, like I, uh, I I thought it would be this wonderful thing where because I love that album yeah, it's absolutely. awesome mm-hmm. um, and I love Kate Bush and we do a Kate Bush cover um, at I get we've been we've been doing it over the last couple of gigs, almost as a kind of it's babushka. It's quite it's quite an obvious song, but it's sort of like a. It's been consistent with all the covers we've done. We did a cover of Prayer to God by Shellac. We did a cover of Hyperbad by Bjork, which is still oh, our yeah. most still our most viewed video on YouTube, of course. <laughs> um, we've done Fernando by Abba. Um, we've done a few. We've done a few interesting ones, mm-hmm. and they're all kind of like little musical calling cards. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like here's the kind of music we like, and through choosing this, and like a sub- list of collective influences, sub- <laughs> sort sort of yeah, and through subverting or not the song in the way we've do way we've done. If you get it, you'll get it, kind yeah. of thing. Just as a way of reaching out to people, it's like kind of like a wink, and it's the same with the bells because it's like the bells that Kate Bush used for Central World sound lovely. The ones we used Perfect. don't. They're like broken one of them doesn't work uh they, they sound really quirky and odd so it's to me it sort of felt like a kind of perfect statement of and again it's sort of me taking liberties because it was very much my idea mm. and again the ethics of whether or not it's appropriate for me to insert something that's kind of coming from me but we all we all we all, yeah. we all agreed on it but yeah. it's sort of a way of saying yeah we can't do the fancy church bells like kate bush can do but we've got our own church. We we want to do that kind of thing. <laughs> so here's our version of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's a very half worn thing. You know, punching above your weight is <laughs> yeah. it's a very half worn things thing. It's like we want to be like Kate Bush. <laughs> so here's our garbage church. So, yeah. So so <laughs> yeah. so from that perspective, I think you know, place to answer your question, place place definitely does have a place in um, our uh, our I guess aim. Well, I mean, it certainly is, even if in terms of how the band functions, it's not a prevailing influence, it 
the, yeah. the location yeah. of the, the, the backdrop of the album production completely permeates it. Like yeah, that, yeah. That, that much is actually that's that a very aspect good point. of yeah, it yeah. is is is. I mean, you can hear what we heard on a daily basis yeah. Yeah. for the entirety of the time that we spent in that flat, which we loved. Yeah. We yeah. absolutely like it was the place that we we called home first. Yeah, you know, we moved in as a couple there, and our band became our band yeah. there yeah. and on those streets with those seagulls yeah. and that church every fucking Sunday morning waking yeah. us up. So it was very much, yeah, it was very important to us. I think that, um, yeah. you know, despite the fact it was, it was definitely everyone's idea, but I think the reason why we were all so on board with it was because it seemed like the perfect way to honor our surroundings yeah. and the, the, you know, um, the bits and pieces that went into the monotony of our daily routine that you can't help but admit permeate what you what you what you come up with creatively sure. it's incredibly difficult to subtract those things from your output um the live experience mm-hmm. i've seen you a few times play uh, i've seen sure. you play a few times there. and you don't hold back. There's <laughs> real energy, and I guess what's what's the, the the drive to play as you do? It's, a, it's, a, it's an outlet. Because <laughs> we're terrified. It's an outlet. Is it? It's a kind of release. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think also because we we I think I think it's probably something different for every for everyone. I was going to say it's, I I definitely yeah. feel that way. Yeah, more, for me for me it's an outlet. Partly due to the fact that we play so seldom. Yeah. Um, which I think we're, you know, in agreement that won't end up being the case for much longer. Yeah, we we're plan gonna, on we're playing, start playing more far more often over the next year or so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think nerves nerves is a big thing. Right. But it's also <laughs> it's also due to the fact that we don't play that often. But yes, for me, it's an outlet because I, you know, for me. Uh, the the ability to connect with the people that I'm closest to um, on a level that's beyond verbal communication yeah 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 is I think one of the most precious aspects of our relationship as a unit for me um, especially because when you work so closely with people who you are close with, there's a lot of shit that goes unsaid mm-hmm. and there's a lot of stuff that happens that, you know, you might not talk about at the time and might sort of hold on to or set to the side. And I think there's an aspect of our live performance that is that stuff coming out. Um, mm. I feel that I feel that way quite strongly. There's a, there's a ceremonial aspect to it. You know, it's almost like you're coming together to kind of renew your creative vows. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's because yeah, that's a really beautiful way of looking at. You know, it's like it's like you're all coming together and going, well, if I, you know, if I don't like this music anymore, I'm about to get up and play it for half an hour, so I'm going to know by the end of it. You know, every time you do it, you're all collectively reassessing and reaffirming your kind of commitment to it. That's a big that that's a big thing, I think. Do you think do you do you think that's also down to the fact that we don't play that often as well? I like mean, if we played, if we played more often, that like that aspect might might start to wane a bit. Maybe I mean, from my perspective, um, in terms of the in terms of the the initial question, I personally think we play the way we play 
mostly because it fits the material we're currently playing, especially when you saw us yeah. at, uh, in Glasgow. That yeah. would have been a broadcast with the Elspeth. Yeah. That was quite a while ago now. Yeah, the, the, the set list we were doing there was pretty kind of like bangers heavy. Mm. Like it was quite it was quite full on. It's it's a thing we've actually been kind of working against mm. because, you know, we all kind of agree it doesn't serve the dynamic range of the band mm-hmm. to be on 10 all the time. Mm-hmm. So... And again, the more you play live, like not just broadly, but like in succession, the more dates you play, the more you settle into a groove where you feel comfortable going down to 40% so, right. that, you, so that you can take it up to 100%. Yeah, sure, sure. And we're, we're continually trying to improve that. Yeah. Um, the last show we did actually in Glasgow, um, our album launch, funnily enough, yeah. our album launch was a good example of us just because we had some technical problems. Yeah. There were issues of monitoring. So that was an example of us playing kind of old school where we mm. were just thrashing, especially me, like, because I couldn't hear anything. Mm. I was just kind of thrashing away without much dynamic range for much of the set. Whereas the Glasgow show we played last Saturday, it's probably the closest we've ever come to like the kind of platonic ideal of dynamic range. Yeah. Because it was just really controlled yeah. and that sort of thing. We so we chilled out about it because it wasn't our show. Yeah. Well, that, that's well. also that's also part of it. And as I well, think yeah. and I think the community vibe of um, Flying Moon, which you know is a really beautiful, beautiful festival that's focused on um, women in music and making sure that there's a um, well, 50-50, even display um, gender-wise and um, showcasing a femme-centric... Um, sure. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Femme-centric. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, we you only need to look at the transmit lineup from this year or whatever to understand that... We could have another hour on that. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, so you don't need to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, but right. yeah, so I, I think I think also the community vibe there and feeling like we were um, boosted, the um, organiser, Nicole, really... Um, Really boosted us and did 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 a lot of a lot of great. work for us and yeah. a lot of marketing for us and we felt incredibly supported and incredibly um, important. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which 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 was beautiful and I think all of these things added to a collective vibe between the four of us in which we could all kind of rest on our backbones and go you know what we're here to play the show because somebody asked us to come here and play the show and they're they're you know. They, they, they really like us and they want to showcase us and yeah. they think we're important so let's just mm. let's just have a really nice time with this and do the thing that we know we love doing and we did and we like each each of us came off that stage feeling like we had reconnected as a unit which you know was yeah, important was, was really really important yeah. because after 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 the album you know it, it, it was I think there was a bit of a lull for for our for our relationships we needed we needed to patch patch a, a few bits and pieces yeah. you know um, and and kind of um, re-establish some of the love and um, remember what it was that brought us together in the first place and feed that um, and I, I, I feel that that gig that gig did a lot of that a lot of that for us um, so yeah it was important on the number of, a number of different uh, fronts so it's interesting being in uh, the audience the things that are going on on stage and you have no idea yeah. you know of the dynamics oh, that are going man, on no. and the thoughts that are going yeah, on yeah. you need to say 
wow, these guys are really going for it. And we said at the beginning, well, we were nervous or we were, you know. And you don't get that at all. But what I do get from seeing you play live and from talking to you tonight and from the record as well is that there's a, a commitment to what you do and also this commitment to each other, which is uh, which I think is real. Yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's less, that has less to do with anything great that we've done. It's more to do with just the quite complex like we were alluding to before the complex micro dynamics that already mm. existed mm-hmm. this band can't function like any other band I've been in before because it's and that's very much a double edged thing because mm. when things get fraught in the band they get really fraught like if, if Morgan and I have a fight at practice we have to take that home with us after yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. When, we, when we were making the album at yeah. our flat we never got to shut the door on it we never got to shut yeah. the door on it ever like, so Nicky and Matthew would go home and we <laughs> well yeah and, and I, was, I was just left with it all the time and that's a dangerous thing to jump into and mm. you know I, I, from my perspective at least I was super reckless in how I jumped into it and I didn't, right. I didn't realise how we both were how, yeah how, how deep you can go down the rabbit hole with that kind of thing but the plus side of it is that there's lots of different ways that it's in a, in a practical sense it's actually very beneficial you know this band is more more accustomed to touring for example than any other band I've been in before because if you've, if you've got a bunch of dudes who you know see each other once a week yeah. to play music but otherwise don't know each other that well you know and this happens all the time it's mm. really common the first tour yeah. just it's breaks it's, tour. It's like, yeah it's like oh my god I have to spend an extended period of time with you and I realised I hate you mm. or oh I didn't realise you were so racist oh my yeah. god you know, whatever comes out whereas this band is completely future proofed against that kind of that's thing. true yeah. you know, that's really it's, true you know, we'll, we'll fight over what colour the t-shirt should be or something like that far more ferociously than any other mm. band of you know just a bunch of friends who will keep it quite civil and yeah. they'll maybe and they'll they'll be, they'll be, they'll be, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't believe he's wearing that t-shirt they'll, yeah they'll whine about it later on or something yeah. but otherwise they'll let it go whereas for us there's a lot of fraught interaction within the band that mm. goes into everything but there's I mean, a safety in that though isn't there because, exactly. because yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I, it's like we're all we all sort of made made a commitment to each other to be to be each other's allies and we're we're all we're all incredibly um, aware of and um, passionate about making sure that our dynamic is one that boosts and supports our mental health as individuals yeah. and, and as individual musicians as well. Sure. Um, and that's taken quite quite a long time to cultivate and to... Um, We're still working on it. We are still working on yeah, it, yeah, because cool. it's, it's an ever-evolving thing, isn't it? Because you know, yeah. it changes. Your emotional landscape changes consistently, and so you have to, you have yeah. to build a relationship that has the ability to adapt with those changes um and you, you know matthew's matthew's joked for for years that he's married to the both of us you know? <laughs> and, and it's true we're all we're all very much that that close we spend that much time with each other yeah. and um as a unit there's there's you know you 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 need to know that the people who are in that kind of dynamic with you and in that sort of um um, abandon yeah, yeah. with mm. you that you have a safety in letting go. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I mean, when I when I said it was rare and you said, well, it's not something special that we do, I think sometimes things can be rare just because sure. they come together in that yeah, way. Yeah. And I think that's what you've got as a band, uh, yeah. without a doubt. Mm. Um, 
a while ago now, do you know, this is one of these ones, I've, I usually I keep a keen eye on the time, I've no idea how long we've been talking, this could be, waffling on. no it's Sorry. great, it's fantastic, <laughs> but right at the beginning I asked you about <laughs> names and half-formed things, so I'm oh, now yes. going to finish, because my second question, which I never actually to, was to live in the flicker, why to live oh. in the flicker? Right, okay, so, um, <laughs> this, uh, again, another, another retrospective, Sort of, yeah, kind sort of. of the um, so one of our friends, one of Morgan's very old friends, yeah. um, who's a playwright called Kendall Fever. She's Australian. Plug, she's plug, plug. Uh, she's Check really her out. yeah. She's she's a real singular mind. Like she's fantastic. Um, she has a play. She had a play out last year called The Almighty Sometimes, mm. um, which was. Astonishing. Astonishing. Could rabbit hole in this for ages, yeah. but I, I, just, I just strongly advise you to check her out. Um, she was staying with us one time and she said mm, a good name. It was a postcode. Uh, sorry, um, a postcard. Oh, was that a postcard? It was right, a postcard. Okay. It was up on the fridge. Right. So she, she suggested we call our album uh, We Live in a Flicker, um, which, you know, I, I Googled it and it was from Heart of Darkness. Yeah. And the quote basically. And it's a it's a wonderful. I actually talked about this talked about this in an interview we did with a blog recently. Mm-hmm. There, the sentiment of the original quote is that human existence is just a dash of lightning across yeah. across the sky, and we live in that. And it's a really it's a really beautiful sentiment, mm-hmm. um, but I felt like because the variation to live in the flicker yeah. came from me kind of messing around with it because I felt like saying we live in a flicker it kind of positions it kind of positions you outside of it mm-hmm. like you're kind of top down looking at everything which is fine that's one way of looking at things but it kind of clashes with the way that the album's written because mm-hmm. the songs on the album are very much kind of like abstract vignettes that are they heavily place you inside things that are going on and yeah. it's never particularly clear it's it's quite PJ Harvey in a way it's there's no beginning or end you're just in for a little second and you're kind of out mm. of it again and I felt like something about that sentiment is perfect and it resonates with the songs on the album but it's looking it, it's positioning itself outside of it and there's kind of an aloofness there that mm. isn't necessarily good aloofness so I kind of changed it around to firmly place the perspective inside it and it's like, okay, so human existence is a flash of lightning across the sky, but I'm going to push all the way into that. Yeah. You know, um, and that kind of became... So, yeah, so so Kendall absolutely gets credit for essentially, <laughs> yeah. essentially, essentially naming the album. Essentially naming the album, Because, yeah. you know, I, 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 when, I, when we got it, we were like, oh, that's it. That's but perfect. Initially, yeah. it was the name of a song. Initially, it was the name of the apostate, mm. right. which is interesting. And we had never actually had a conversation about the title for the album and this mm-hmm. is kind of when we were getting close to I think this was just before recording mm-hmm. I think um, we decided we found either just before or just after we need to name it <laughs> and we had quite a lot of disagreements as to what we were going to call it yeah. um, you know it was like self-titled should it be this should it be named after a particular tune and To Live in the Flicker was kind of put forward as a name but the apostate is quite a singular song on the album. Yeah. It's, it kind of sticks out, and I was like, "Well, I don't want that to be the title track because if that's a title track, people will put specific importance on yes. it, and that'll just skew the entire album." So we took, took a decision to 
take the title off of that, give it to the album, and rename it The Apostate. Um, and that, mm. all, that all happened in the same 30 seconds. Like, it was literally like, okay, fine, so it's, we're, we're just going to call the album. And Matthew was like, what do we call it? I'm fairly certain I literally just went, oh, uh, the, the Apostate. Mm. Um, because I asked him what the song was about, and the, the Apostate is about someone. Who renounces faith, no? It's, it's literally about someone renouncing their faith. Mm. Essentially, it's more abstract than that, um, and it's more subjective than that, yeah. but essentially, so we just literally called it the apostate. Anyway, long roundabout way, that's kind of where the title of the album comes from. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a retrospective reflection upon listening to the album and reading the lyrics of what the album's, what the album's getting at mm-hmm. inadvertently. So if we do live in the flicker, this is what it's like. To live in the flicker. This is how you can. Well, 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 yeah. It's 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 essentially yeah. I mean, well, it's, yeah. Huge... It's it's just windows, isn't it? It's windows. It's windows into into aspects of human existence. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's why when we all saw the photograph that yeah, is now the God. album art, yeah. we all I think actually the first reaction was silence. <laughs> yeah. And then I can't remember who it was, but somebody said, holy shit, it was probably Matthew. Probably. That's yeah. very much a Matthew thing. Um, and It's perfect. It's it, is, it is perfect. To me, to me it's, 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 it's very much, and I, I you know, should credit um, Edwin's sister, Louise, who has done a lot of our yeah. visual, visual um, pieces. She's, she's an incredibly, incredibly talented um, artist who you should definitely check out. Her last name is also McLachlan. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Um, she does um, abstract uh, art photography. Yes. It's um, she's al- al- almost indescribably talented. Almost. Or she she has so many strings to her bow. She, really she does. does so much stuff. Um, it's a beautiful color. I mean, I would say you should have the record anyway. But if not, get it. Hang it on your wall. Yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful. Well, it is. It is. I, I, I feel incredibly. Th- there was definitely a kind of panic almost in me. When we chose, we chose a cover art, I believe, just before we started tracking, mm. I think, and it added this kind of, that might not be true actually, maybe just after we finished tracking, either way, it added this just weight to the whole thing, totally. because it's an amazing piece of art, and it was like, Jesus Christ, that's our album cover. Yeah, yeah. So I said, better not suck. You know, it was, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. really, yeah, because no, it is so perfect. It, it is, it is totally perfect. It felt, it felt like a, it felt like a real blessing because it is a real blessing for us to have it mm. and be able to use it to, you know, sell half an hour of music. You know, again, another <laughs> another timeless, t- t- timeless piece. You don't, you don't, you don't have a. Um, it is timeless. Yeah. There is no timestamp when you look at that photo, and I think the most beautiful aspect of it is that it is a quintessential visual representation of what the album has come to mean because it looks like you're looking in a window watching somebody in a mundane run-of-the-mill act yeah right is she bending down to get something is she getting out of a shower is she you know is she she getting out of bed is she in pain is she getting out of a chair like like you don't know what it is right yeah Yeah. but it invokes such a sense like you you can't look at it and then look away you have to keep looking yeah and and all four of us see it yeah differently as well like it literally couldn't be a more perfect cover for a half foreign things album like it's 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 just it's just we are incredibly lucky. Like, we are very very, very lucky. And I uh, I think it is the perfect cover because what I would say I would listen to the album a lot now. Mm-hmm. Um, every, each time I come to the, the different tracks, something new 
comes out, you know, right. it's a, yeah, new, yeah. a new angle or a new, oh, I didn't hear that before. Or, mm. And I think that was partly, as you say, the production is, you know, there's, you pick up different things each time. Sure. But, but also I think it's almost like um, go back and you're reading your favourite short story. You think, well, I missed that the first time round or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the perfect place to leave it. So <laughs> thank you, Morgan. Thank you, Edwin, for uh, speaking to us today. That's a pleasure. Nice. Thank you so thank much. You so much. And for goodness thank sake, everyone, go out and have to live in the flicker. It's a great record. And we'll be back soon uh, with someone completely different. Cheers. Oh, mm-hmm.